Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Damon, I thought Corey Maggette was going to be great. Thank you very much. Corey Maggette has never been anything more than all shoulders. First team, all-world, all-athlete shoulders. Any player who played on those Warrior teams that were bad all the way through, they get a pass because I don't think I don't think you can correctly evaluate any of them. Joe Smith had a sensational career, came here and was considered a massive disappointment because he was supposed to fix what ailed the Warriors and found out that what ails the Warriors could not be fixed by any mere mortal. No. Ownership officially mattered. Uh, the man who has been tinkering with the Warriors for years now as their general manager, Bob Myers, is definitely becoming a topic du jour around the NBA, and I am seeing more and more... I, I mean, I'm not going to say it feels like they're, they've been planted or people are now starting to create an expectation or if this is you know, a savvy negotiator using the media to start forwarding the, hey, Joe Lacob, I might be walking away from you cause, if that's indeed a true cause. But what about Bob Myers is what I want to talk about a little bit here on a Warriors Wednesday. And we'll get back to the NFC Championship game with Sal Palantonio on the Bud Light guest line coming up at 415. But Bob Myers is, I mean, to say that his his options seem to be endless is a little bit of, you know, it, it, that might even be a conservative statement because true or false, the vast majority of NBA teams would dismiss their general manager that they liked to hire Bob Myers or install him as some sort of director of basketball operations, even above the general manager that they currently employ and like. Like, Bob is a huge asset in the eyes of every single NBA team. There are probably five teams that would not fire their guy to, to hire Bob Myers. But the other 24, in a heartbeat. Yes, he is a huge commodity. We're watching Bob gain an even bigger profile as he moves into, are we going to call it a broadcaster's space? A podcasting space? He is now working with, what, Omaha Productions and doing a podcast about leadership and what is that an indicator of? I mean, did Bob really dream of hosting a podcast one day? Or was just a big enough pile of money put in front of him where he said, I'll do that? Or is he strategically going about raising his profile by getting his name out there in avenues and in places it normally would not be? 
I think there's probably a little bit of that going on, too. Bob is smart. He is playing checkers, not chess. He's two or three moves down the board. And he's also always struck me, Ray, as smart enough to know that it's probably time to leave before the getting is good, even from a good situation. I think he understands that. I think he understands that, but the podcast has nothing to do with it. The podcast is a toy. Right. He doesn't it's a need, vehicle. He doesn't need the he doesn't need that visibility because people already know who he is and what he's done. This is literally about whether Joe Lacob wants him back. Because I think he'd like to stay, but he wants to be rewarded commensurate with his deeds. And I think Joe Lacob is starting to have doubts about whether that's something he wants to do. And I don't know whether it's because he looks at Moses Moody and Jonathan Kaminga and James Weissman and goes, where's the magic? Or whether he thinks that his son is ready to become the, the head of the front office. I mean, I, I'm not sure. I mean, Myers has done enough and has enough sort of chips in the, you know, on his side of the table that this should have been done by now. And the fact that it isn't, and still isn't, even after it was first mentioned three months ago, is an indication that Joe Lacob is not sure. Thinking about it. And I remember when we were talking to Anthony Slater about this a little while ago. You know, we asked him, what do you think? Is this setting up a launching pad for Kirk Lacob to step into that role as the full-time GM, president, basketball ops, whatever, whatever title Bob would be walking away from whatever his daily responsibilities he'd be exiting would it be Kirk Lacob who would enter and Anthony Slater basically well he, he thought that Kirk was being groomed for a, an even bigger job this is not something that you know I've discussed at, at great length this is not some deeply sourced conversation I'm about to have but I would think Kirk Lacob to me profiles as the owner in waiting not the GM in waiting the next Joe Lacob you know, he, he, he's, he's got his hands on some of the basketball side, but Kirk Lacob has his hands on a lot of the business side, too. So I'm not like maybe that's what would, you know, materialize where, where Kirk would, would step in if, if Bob, like you said, for any reasons left. But I would predict no. I would predict that, that Kirk just remains in a very powerful position in the organization, which he currently has, and, you know, will be the successor to his father, whatever that comes. That was Anthony Slater with us weeks ago. Weeks ago, when we were just asking him about the first bit of the, you know, wind that blew this Bob Myers speculation our way. Well, today, Anthony Slater was on the morning roast talking about this Bob Myers contract situation, which has become a story, not only in The Athletic, but on ESPN.com about, you know, this, this incredibly successful general manager is sort of in limbo right now with a... With a franchise that has no qualms when it comes to spending for winning formulas. Here's Anthony Slater on the Morning Roast talking about Bob Myers. So one of the hottest topics in the league is Bob Myers' future. Obviously, I mean, it's well known that he's on the last, at this point, not even just last season, the last several months of his contract, I believe July 1st, uh, it expires. And it's undecided. You know, it's not something where we know for sure if he is or, he, or if he isn't coming back. There's clearly you know, financial aspects of this to, to figure out, but also Bob Myers, I think, just needs to, to figure out long-term if, you know, this is the, the franchise he wants to lead. And I think, you know, we talk about so much of the of the 
future of the players uh, on this team. And I think the future of one of the biggest figures in the organization is also very unsettled. So I see it. And like I said, it is when you go to any arena in the league at this point, you know, people want to come up and talk about it. And look, Bob Myers has had his hand on the wheel of this long enough to know, you know, probably better than anyone, how much tread is really left on the tires of this ride. And not that he's about to crash the car or the, the 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 Warriors are about to crash, but you know, running out of gas is is very much in their future. This core group, and does Bob Myers want to be in the driver's seat as this car runs out of gas? If someone else, say, I don't know, Steve Ballmer, the single richest owner in basketball, is willing to break off a chunk of change to come and get the Clippers their first championship ever because you're not going to be able to do much more with the Warriors. And if Joe Lacob was worried about paying you X amount of dollars, well, Stevie Ballmer ain't. No, I think the credibility that the Clippers still struggle to attain would take a huge jump if Steve Ballmer just said, I'll not only give you money and power, I'll give you some equity. Because I think that's the coin of the realm now. Uh, Bob Myers is not unaware that Billy Bean got equity a long time ago in the A's. And you could say, you know, well, that's, that's just the A's, but it's equity. It's equity in a business that has only gained in financial structure since he got there. So equity, I think, is the new way you get paid. I think Masai Ujiri in Toronto's got a little equity. And I think that's where you go now if you're a general manager with tenure. I would almost think that the value of these franchises is too much to make any sort of deal that centers on a piece of equity. I mean, if if I were an owner, I wouldn't want to give you a permanent in perpetuity slice of my multi-billion dollar pie. I'm just going to pay you right damn through my nose right now and you get all your money in, you know, it's like winning the lottery. Yeah. Instead of instead of getting it over, you know, your your lifetime, we're just going to give you an upfront payment. That may be and that might be what Lacob wants to do, but Unless he can replace Bob Myers with somebody of equal quality, what he's doing is putting money ahead of the product, which he swears he never will do. And if that's the issue here, then Joe Lacob's on the wrong side of his own created history. Well, just, you know, even 1%. You don't have to just lavish him with, like, here's here's 10% of the club. I mean, Joe Lacob does not have a ton of of personal equity in this. There there are other investors in this club who have more of a piece than he does. He just gets to run it. And, you know, everybody's happy because he's helped generate billions for the club. But if Bob Myers says, I really want to be paid more than Leon Rose is in New York, and I want like 1%, that's a cost Joe Lacob can easily swallow unless he has somebody who he can convince not only himself but the outside world is better than Bob Myers. And I don't think he's got that guy, and I don't think he can convince people that he will get that guy. I'm terrible at math. 
What's one percent of eight billion dollars? Eighty million. But sounds like an awful lot for a GM. I'm just going to throw that out. No, there. but that's not salary. No, all you do is you get a piece of the profit every year, and the franchise being worth eight billion is not the same as what they take home every year. Uh, I think their their revenues last year were like four hundred million. I think that and the one, and one percent of that is four million. I think the reason why. Billy Bean was offered a piece to stay is because that's the only way to make sure he's not a Boston Red Sox. And well, that, no, that's true. But the, the question remains, can Joe Lacob do better than Bob Myers? Well, and, and I'm suggesting that he can't. Anthony Slater on the morning roast was suggesting maybe Joe Lacob fancies that he actually could. I mean, Joe is just, he's just more than other owners or at least most other owners, just around the basketball decisions, right? You know, you can see in L.A., Steve Ballmer kind of just sits courtside, he's a fan. And, you know, there's so there's a lot that's good to what Joe Lacob does, obviously, particularly from a financial standpoint, from a competitive standpoint, just ambition. Uh, it's been very good for the Warriors, but, you know, his basketball opinions carry a lot of weight. Uh, and, you know, is that good or not? I You know, it's tough to be overly, in my opinion, overly critical of the Warriors over the last decade because of all the success they've had. But, mm -hmm. you know, let's, however this era ends and has it transitions over the next decade, Joe Lacob's decision-making power will very much be judged, I think, over the next, you know, half-decade, decade. It's uh, a very interesting time for the Golden State Warriors if this Bob Myers conversation officially becomes a fork in the road. And we will get back to that fork in the road because there's a little bit more that Anthony Slater has on that topic. But coming up next, we take a detour right back to the NFC Championship game. And when you are detouring through Philadelphia, you want someone who knows the, the town like the back of his hand. And that is indeed our next guest, Sal Palantonio, the man when it comes to Philadelphia, just about anything, especially Eagles, joins us next here on 95.7 The Game as we start getting a tale of the tape between the 49ers and Eagles coming up for the NFC title game. And remember to stay tuned tonight. Warriors Live starts at 6 o'clock ahead of Warriors and Memphis, presented by Xfinity. Supercharge your home with supersonic Wi-Fi, unbeatable internet only from Xfinity. Damon and Ratto here on 95.7 The Game, also brought to you by CalHope.org. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And 
sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Now back to Damon and Ratto on 95.7 The Game. The Road to Glendale is brought to you by the SF's Sheriff's Office. Your future begins here. Visit sfsheriff.com to apply today. We're very, very happy to have Sal Palantonio joining us on the Bud Light guest line. Bud Light, easy to drink, easy to enjoy. If there is indeed a longer tenured ESPN reporter with one team and one city, I don't know who it is. Sal Palantonio has been with Philadelphia and the Eagles since what? Like my entire life, since I've been paying my cable bill, that's for sure. Sal, thank you for joining us here on Damon and Ratto. There is really no one else we'd rather talk to other than you about the upcoming game this weekend. So, really appreciate your time today. How you doing? Damon, thank you for paying a cable bill. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> my pleasure. My pleasure. I hope it does. Uh... You, know, you know, I'm in the cable business, right? I got three daughters and three son in laws. And I'm like, none of these son-in-laws want to pay a cable bill. So I'm like, guys, I paid for your weddings. At least throw me a bone here. Pay for one cable bill. <laughs> Sal Palantonio with us here. And, and look, uh, you know, this is going to be a fascinating game. A truly, truly fascinating football game. Uh, what are your sources telling you about Jalen Hurts' injury? Are they masking this with... Toradol and gumption, or is he really on the mend to the point where by this Sunday it's it's not going to affect how he plays at all because he was very good against the New York Giants. Can he do that again with his shoulder? Yeah, I think it's ninety nine percent gumption. Uh, I've been around him since he was drafted. He is an extremely hardcore young man, tough as they come, a grinder, son of a coach. From Channel View, Texas, uh, you know, has been through the ringer, Alabama, Oklahoma, drafted in the second round, waited his turn, hurt his ankle last year in the uh, wild card game. He's been through it all. He's, in my view, in three years, he's gone through about as much as any young quarterback could go through. Now he has to come up with this sprained shoulder. And I think he proved last week against the Giants that it's not going to bother him. I have no indication, no reporting, 
whatsoever that he re-aggravated it or re-injured it against the Giants. As a matter of fact, I think he's probably in better shape than he was a week ago. Is there a way on Sunday to tell just how bad the shoulder is other than like just watching him throw? Is there the way he maybe protects it? Is there, is there, I guess is the simple question is, is there a tell that you could look for on Sunday to say, his shoulder's not right or it's fine? There is a tell for sure. And that is whether he's a willing participant in the run game. Because I don't think it's an issue with him throwing the football. <clears throat> I don't think it's ever really been an, uh, much of an issue with him throwing the football. It's just a matter of pain tolerance. And, uh, you know, he hit a 31-yarder on his first completion. <clears throat> and that was his longest completion since week 10. But he was a willing participant in the run game. And the Giants could taste that and feel that and smell that right from the beginning. So he had six called run plays for him, designed run plays for him in the first half. That was the most he's had in the first half all season long. And they were absolutely diabolical in their zone read run game against the Giants. No, this is not San Francisco. I get that. I understand that. <clears throat> but he was a willing participant in it. And they had 221 yards in zone read runs. That's the most they've had all year. That's the most that any NFL team this year has had in zone read runs. So they were pretty good running it. He was pretty good passing it. And you go, I, I'm very interested to see how he protects it again. So he was obviously protecting it. No question. Sliding early, getting out of bounds. But here's the real tell, Ray. Here's the real tell. He was landing specifically and deliberately on his left shoulder. So what Sirianni did in the week last week is he had uh, two foam pads and coaches would put him through drills where he was hit with a foam or uh, like a Nerf bat and try to dislodge the ball. And as they pushed him or he fell, he was torquing his body turning his body, twisting his body, so he deliberately avoided landing on the right shoulder and landed on the left shoulder or on his buttocks or something. So it was deliberately focused on last week. Nick Sirianni told me that they're going to definitely focus on it this week, starting tomorrow. They had no practice today. And it's something that Sirianni got from Frank Reich when Reich had Andrew Luck. They would put him through the same paces, slide early, get out of bounds, don't invite contact, and then when you do get hit, twist your body so that you land on your left shoulder. Sal Palantonio here on 95.7 The Game. It's great to have him. He is the king of Philadelphia media. And obviously, we got 49ers and we got Eagles. As Sirianni and his coaching staff look at the 49ers, what's kept him up most this week? I would say three specific things. The front seven is superior. There's no question about that. They're not only in superior in speed to power, but they're also superior in alignment and assignment football. These guys are coached very well by D'Amico Ryans. And you know, I'm the host of the NFL matchup show, so I not only cover Philadelphia, but for 20 years I've studied tape on every team. 
And in plugging in the tape and looking at the Niners' defense specifically, the front seven, they are very good, very well-coached, ferocious, good tacklers, good pass rushers. They're not out of place. <clears throat> and so I think that's the number one thing. I don't think there's a weakness there from what I can see. I think the Eagles will try to run on Bosa only to preoccupy him, force him to compete against the run. I know what the analytics say. The analytics say that his run uh, stop win rate is 21%, which puts him in the 90th uh, percentile, very low. I don't know what that means. I don't really see that on tape. I think if you run at him, the best you're going to hope for is you're preoccupying him, and maybe you give him something to think about before he launches himself at Jalen Hurts. The thing that really concerns him the most is that Bosa, even though he's listed as the right defensive end, he's about 50-50 on both sides. So they're going to try to figure out a tendency during their film study. They're not giving that away to me. Uh, what I see is a guy who just basically, you know, lines up where he wants to, uh, and the rest of the team follows what he, his lead is. That's what I see. Sal, what's keeping Kyle Shanahan up the most at night as he looks at the Eagles? I think it's the same thing that was the problem against the Cowboys. Remember when Aaron Andrews did that talk back with Kevin Burkhart during the broadcast? She's such a great reporter. And she had just talked to Kyle Shanahan. Uh, and after halftime, she reported that Shanahan told her that he had to button up the Niners O-line because they weren't blocking very well. They weren't holding their blocks. And Dallas was beating them up front in pass rush and in run stopping. So I would say if the Eagles have any advantage in this game, and I don't think they have much of an advantage. It's their ability to get after the offensive line of the Niners and get after Brock Purdy. This is a very, very good pass rush team with only four pass rushers. They led the league in getting after the quarterback with only rushing four. That's problematic for anybody trying to throw the ball. So. What you saw, and I studied it and went back because I looked at it on when I was watching the game and then I watched it again on tape. The Cowboys flushed Brock Purdy to his left a lot. And he wasn't comfortable there. He's very good and accurate on the run. Very good and accurate. Super impressed with Brock Purdy. Smart, accurate, decisive, but flushed to his left. He was less than effective than he normally is. And I think that's the issue for the Niners in this game. Was there a game that you saw the Eagles play this year that you can draw on to say that looks like what they want to do against the 49ers? And conversely, is there a game the 49ers played that make you think that seems like the Eagles? I would say let's go with the conversely first. I would say the Monday night game, the loss against the Washington Commanders, the Eagles could not stop the run. Then Howie Roseman went out and got Linval Joseph and Sue, and their run game, run defense was in infant, I mean, just unbelievably better. 
because Fletcher Cox, their best run stopper, could get off the field. He was averaging 70 and 80 snaps a week. Now he's half that, and he's fresher. And he looks fresher in the locker room. I saw him today. He's super happy about, you know, how fresh his legs were, given that, you know, he's basically in the bottom of the ninth of his career. So, you know, you, if you're going to run on, on, on the Eagles, don't run up the middle. Run on the edges. And you can run on the edges on the Eagles. You can. So that's where Samuel comes in. That's where McCaffrey comes in. That's where Shanahan's brilliant designs come in. His ability for the quick pitches, um, you know, and the the deception that he uses with Samuel, very good. Another play that I really like is their tight end screen up the middle where you see that little delay by Kittle and then he leaks out between the A and the B gaps and he's open. That'll give the Eagles problems for sure, definitely. Sal Palantoni. Because it'll be a quick hit. It'll be a quick hit. Sal Pal from ESPN here on 95.7 The Game. Uh, as I've been putting together the tail of the tape and how these teams match up against each other, what the 49ers need to look out for, I think they need to, maybe more than anyone else, and this is because you're you're walking into Philadelphia with a rookie quarterback, I think Darius Slay might be the best player on this defense. How far away am I from the truth when I say that? Because I, I think Slay's a stud. He is. I think Hassan Redick has had the best year of any of the defensive players, and he's playing at a super high level. Um, his ranginess, his length, his strength. Talk about a guy from the speed to power quickly. He's he's done it from the left side. Um, but Slate is very good. There's no question about it. Um, he may be the best defensive player in sure pure instincts, sheer pure pure instincts, um, for sure. I think for the Niners, the big issue is they haven't really faced a dual-threat quarterback who can really run since week one. And Justin Fields was in his infant stages at that point. Right, and the game was being played in a lake as well. (laughs) Yeah, it's not really a good comparison for a lot of different reasons. The Niners had zero offense at that juncture of the season. Fields was not really anywhere near fully developed. The conditions are terrible. It's week one. You don't really know what you've got, right? But so the Niners, I don't know what the reporting's being done out there about who they're trying to use on the scout team to duplicate Hertz. But here's what I, I think that Hertz has become really adept at sleight of hand. And the other thing is, he's faster than you think. Now, he's not going to be able to show off this, you know, he's got that gym rat rat strength where he's been able to, you know, leg press 450, squat 500 in his college career. He can't do that in this game. Why? Because he can't lower his shoulder, lower the boom on anybody. So he, he loses that aspect, and that's a big aspect of how he runs the ball. But he's faster than you think. He's got really good ball handling skills. He's smart, knows the offense. He caught the Giants, you know, in the switches many times on that zone read. I mean, it was just a thing of beauty to watch. So D'Amico Ryan's better be coaching this, this group up on how to handle 
the dual threat of Jalen Hurts. Um, this, this this won't make any difference come Sunday, um, but I'm going to ask it now. Is there an NFC title game in your memory that seems to match two teams that have as little of a difference between them in so many areas? It almost looks like the Eagles and 49ers are basically figuring out a way to play each other. Is there a game in NFC history where you just look and go, yeah, this is this is two teams that are exactly the same playing against each other. Wow, you know, I'm going to go back to Niners, New York Giants. <clears throat> I mean, that's to me is it's comparable, like the Kyle Williams fumble. Yeah, I mean that's one. Um, in recent memory for the Eagles, you know, um, the Tampa Bay Bucks when they closed down the vet, those two teams were really close in talent. And one quarterback didn't show up, and that was Donovan McNabb. And <clears throat> as a result, the Eagles got blown out in their last game at the vet. But they were very evenly matched. You know, I, I think a lot of people are focused on the inexperience of Brock Purdy. I don't see it. I don't see it on tape. I don't see him making the, the big mistakes of inex, that inexperience would call for. And that that is, you know, listen, you've been in Philly, you know how bad it can get here. This is the city of Rutherley Shove, and it's gonna get bad on Sunday. It's about the most menacing place that you can play. So, um, I don't know if you saw the quote from Rob Thompson. The Phillies manager, he was doing a luncheon. It's on it's it's on Twitter, and somebody alerted me to it the other day, where he said an opposing manager told him playing at Citizens Bank Ballpark is four hours of hell. <laughs> Lincoln, Lincoln Financial Field is much worse than the Phillies. It's it's in last weekend. Uh, it was. Uh, it was a rock concert and a, and, and a playoff game and a fireworks show, and <laughs> it was bad. And, and a WWE wrestling match all rolled into one. I mean, the atmosphere was rough for the Giants. They got down early, and the crowd just took them right out of the game. Um, given the fact that Daniel Jones is essentially Brock Purdy's age, even though he's a little more experienced, is that something the fans will attempt to do early on Sunday is try to see if they can make Purdy melt into butter? Or is that just a natural state of things in Philadelphia? <laughs> yeah, you know the answer to that question. <laughs> I do, but I wanted to hear you say it. <laughs> well, I just answered it for you. Let me wrap up with this then. Sal Palantonio, King of Philadelphia. The 49ers have struggled a little bit on the outside against wide receivers. Mooney Ward, Chavarius Ward, has had a, a, an exemplary season, but he's been beaten a couple times in the postseason. Diamador Lenore is an attack point because you got to choose something to go after in this defense, and by process of elimination, it's been him, and he's even come up with a couple of interceptions in the postseason so far. I know that A.J. Brown has been clamoring for the ball more. Do you see a big game from him on Sunday, do you see the Eagles winning without a big game from A.J. Brown on Sunday? 
I do not. I see them having a big game, needing a big game for A.J. Brown and Dallas Goddard. Uh, no, there's no question. Well, you know, they'll do some uh, over and under routes with Goddard and A.J. Brown. I mean, he's no question he was disappointed. I mean, I don't know why he would be. All right, so you had six targets and three catches and 22 yards, but your team just won. You know, Dale, Jalen Hurts, your best friend, your best friend just won his first playoff game. Your best friend just won his first playoff game in a way that was a message, sent a message. He demoralized the New York Giants, 38-7. I mean, it's just a bad optic to go to the sideline and and uh, and have an animated conversation. It was five minutes left in the fourth quarter. It's thirty-one to seven at that point. Right, things are going well. Calm down. <laughs> yeah, I mean, of course, and you know, Nick Sirianni acknowledged that. I'm not speaking out of turn here. Nick Sirianni acknowledged that on Monday. He acknowledged that. A.J. Brown was a little frustrated. Now, we talked to A.J. Brown at his locker today, and he said, no, that's not me. I don't want to cause a commotion and a distraction and all that other stuff. And then when I talked to him after the the, the group of reporters left, he said, I'm good. I'm, I'm okay. I'm good. So um, he'll be throwing the ball early and often. It's telling that Sirianni, who uses metaphors and messaging uh, at the bully pulpit, and has all year long, especially with T-shirts, had a T-shirt that said Dynamic Duo on it today, Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown. There you go. Say it with a T-shirt, boys and girls. Not a bad idea. <laughs> uh, Sal Palantonio, there's no one else we would have rather talked to. Thank you so much for joining us today. We really, truly appreciate your time. It was my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you very, very much. Ray? It was his pleasure to be with you this afternoon. That's what makes me wonder if he's telling us the truth. Because <laughs> that's a fairly bald-faced lie. Look, this is only the third road start for Brock Purdy in the NFL. He started at Seattle. He started at Las Vegas. And as loud as Seattle can be, is uh, look, Las Vegas put together a hell of a game plan and gave the Niners all that they wanted, but that was a friendly Pro Niner crowd at Allegiant Stadium that afternoon. He has never seen anything like he is about to walk into. It is a buzzsaw. It is going to be a a you know it was a hockey player whose nickname was the little ball of hate. Oh, Pat Verbeek. Yeah, this is a big stadium of hate. This yeah. is a big ball of hate yeah. being thrown, and maybe even a D-cell battery at the 49ers. Yeah, it's not the loudest stadium in the NFL. It's it's probably you know top 10 but not it's not the loudest but it is the most menacing it is angry and that's the i guess we'll find out early if that affects purdy because it's not going to affect him late if he can get through the early part of the game when they when they fire their a game at him and if he's okay after that then it will simply be football but if he's overwhelmed by that early the 49ers are done Shanahan and Purdy talked about that this weekend. We've got some sound from today's 
conference call that we're going to have for you when we come on back. We're also going to have Herm Edwards, who played nine seasons in Philadelphia. So we'll get into that atmosphere with him. And obviously, he was the coach of Brandon Ayuk when he was at ASU. So we're going to talk to Herm Edwards about Ayuk's development and really turning into the 49ers' number one wide receiver this past season. That's all coming up here on 95.7 The Game. Remember, it is a Warriors Wednesday brought to you by Friedman's Appliance, a trusted name since 1922. You can visit at freedmansappliance.com today and we're brought to you by Fremont Bank full service banking no compromises now back to Damon and Ratto on 95.7 The Game it is really good to have you here this afternoon, Wednesday afternoon, which means we're getting closer and closer to the NFC title game. The Road to Glendale is brought to you by Merrill West Credit Union, working for you today, tomorrow, together. And now we get to say hello to ESPN NFL analyst Herm Edwards joins us on the Bud Light guest line. Bud Light, easy to drink, easy to enjoy. We got to know Herm a little bit when we were just picking his brain about Brandon Ayuk because he was his coach at ASU before he returned to the studio and that's how we got to know Herm a little bit and we're really happy to have you back on here nine seasons with the Eagles you know a little something about that franchise as well thank you for joining us again how you doing Herm my, my pleasure and um, obviously it's exciting week weekend for, for four teams and I can once recall when we got into this situation um, to play in the championship game it was in Philadelphia happened to be against those Cowboys and uh, I've always told people, you know, when you play in that game, the excitement of it is almost as much as the Super Bowl. Probably even more in the fact that you know if you win it, um, you, you've reached your destination. And it's been a long journey for all these teams from the beginning of training camp to the offseason. All that work they put in, now they're staring it in the face and saying if we win, um, we're going to the Super Bowl. And obviously if we don't, uh, then we, we fell one game short. Herm, we were just talking with Sal Palantonio, and he just mm -hmm. said, you know, Brock Purdy has given no indication that, you know, he might not be ready for this. As a matter of fact, the more you, the more you look at him, the more he looks like he's just ready to go and play football no matter where he goes. But this is Philadelphia, and that is going to be an intimidating, if not, and I mean this in the best possible football terms, a violent crowd, as you're going to find in the NFL. Uh, as someone who played many, many seasons with the Eagles, what in, 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 I mean, I know there isn't a 700 level of the vet waiting for Brock, but the well, link is there's nasty. There's no jailhouse anymore either. There's no jail. They don't have, they don't have the jail in the new place. Right. Other than that. <laughs> no, I just think it's... It's an emotional fan base, obviously. Um, they love their football. They, they love their sports in Philadelphia. There's no doubt about that. Um, but, but I think the way the quarterback has handled himself, he'll be fine. I mean, he understands his role. He understands what to do. Um, it's fun when you walk into a stadium uh, and you're a quarterback knowing, you know, that when I unpack my suitcase, I've got a good running game and I've got a heck of a defense that won't allow things to get a little out of hand for me. So, those things are obviously very important. To what extent do you think visiting coaches have made allowances in terms of how they play call early or what they ask their quarterback to do early in a game because of the crowd? Or is the crowd in Philadelphia overstated in terms of how you prepare to play against the Eagles? 
Well, I think just the crowd is always excited the first series or so, but you can make them unexcited if you're making first downs. <laughs> you start making first downs. I always say you keep making first downs. They can't holler that long, right? And, you know, obviously moments of games are big. But this is a ba- this is a fan base. They're very passionate. There is no doubt about that. Um, you know, and I, I was fortunate to play there. And all, basically my whole career, I left at the end there and played another year or so somewhere else. But, but basically that was my career in Philadelphia as a rookie. And, you know, I'm a West Coast guy. So, you know, going from the West Coast and playing on the West Coast and then playing on a pro team in Philadelphia, I didn't, I didn't know what to expect. And they said, you know, the, the players were saying, just, you, you you don't even know, Rook. And I said, well, okay. I, yeah, I was like, oh, yeah, man, I, I'm a starter. What are you talking about? And I tell you what, that first game we lined up, I went, whoa, I see what you're talking about now. <laughs> a little different in this place. <laughs> um, how long would you expect that to be a factor if, let's say, hypothetically, Purdy shows no signs of being intimidated? Will it continue, or is, is this a whole game long ordeal, or can you... You know, basically, if I get through the first quarter, I'm fine. Yeah, I, I think what will happen is it, it'll, you know, when you start the game up, obviously there's a lot of excitement. Um, no, no different, listen to this, no different than it was in Buffalo, right, for, for, for Cincinnati. And, and then all of a sudden they kept making first downs, and guess what? It was really quiet in that place. And that place is loud, too. I've been in there a couple of times coaching and playing. But you can quiet the crowd down. It's real simple. You're making first downs. You know, if, 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 if you go down on that first drive and score, the crowd's like, uh-oh, wait a minute. You know, it's when you get into the situations where it's third and long, right? Those kind of deals. And now you got to go back and throw. And, and boy, you know, you got to worry about the snap count. You know, you got to worry all that stuff. You know, and, and look, Coach Shanahan has done a marvelous job. He knows what to expect. He's been in those stadiums before. He'll give him some things and get this offense going. So, they don't have to worry about a lot of shifts, a lot of motions. Let's just get a snap count. Let's go. Let's get the crowd out of it, uh, and, and we'll be fine. Herm Edwards here on 95.7 The Game. Again, you were Brandon Ayuk's college coach. What separated yeah. him from his teammates collegiately? And then what have you thought about the evolution of his career? Because he had an outstanding rookie season, I thought. Yes. His sophomore year came with some growing pains and maybe a little trip to the doghouse early on. And then this year he cracks 1,000 yards and is probably, you know, WR1 if we were being completely honest about the depth chart. With all due respect to Debo Samuel, there was no greater threat in the 49ers passing game as a wide receiver than Brandon Ayuk. Yeah, and he's earned everyone's trust. And, you know, and I've always said this. Your rookie year, unless you're a first-round pick, it's kind of one of those years where, okay, you're playing. And then all of a sudden, your second year is the hardest year. Because now you've played in the league. You have expectations of your own as a player, right? And, and, and there's some struggles with that. It just is. And you see most guys go through that. It's not surprising to me to what he's doing. Because you saw it when we recruited him, you know he had he had the skill set of playing at the next level, and uh, he just needed an opportunity, and he, and he can't he couldn't be in a better place with this offense because it's a it's a run pass offense. It's not driven by you know we're going to throw it a bunch of times. It's it, it's very very detailed on what you're supposed to do. Um, they design things where the run keeps people in the box and allows you 
10 to 15 yards behind those linebackers, there's a lot of open room, you know, and Brandon's not afraid to go across the middle. He's not afraid to catch a slant ball. A lot of receivers don't want to go in there. He's not afraid of that, you know, and, and so those things are important, and I think he had a marvelous year. There's no doubt about that. Um, I'm not going to ask you to pick a winner because it's Wednesday, but <laughs> I've already, I've already, I've already talked to my good friend Lynch, so <laughs> we'll keep that in the family. No, which is fine. But just as an as an objective viewer from the outside, who do you think is a better team, and specifically why? Well, I think Philly probably has an edge in this sense. Um, the quarterback, right? I mean, the, the quarterback is, is is playing well. At one time before he got hurt, he was in conversations about maybe having a chance to be the MVP. Now, I don't think he is because he's missing games. But um, he's elevated himself this year, too. Um, he's a much better passer now. Uh, can throw the ball better now. they got some weapons for him, too. But his ability to run, that is a big deal in the National Football League. Uh, you saw it against the Giants, the RPO. They still didn't have an answer for it. Now, I do believe the 49ers will have an answer for it. They'll know who has a quarterback. They'll know who has a runner, right? Uh, but, you know, th- that is a problem when you get a quarterback like that because now you made it 11 on 11. You just balanced the field. You know, generally in football, it always was 11 on 10. The defense had, a, had an extra guy. Well, they make it 11 on 11. They, 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 they put stress on you because you got to figure it out. Look. This guy, if he runs this RPO deal, we got to bring somebody from the backside, from the back of our defense, to account for this guy. And there lies the problem. Herm Edwards with us here on Damon and Ratto. On the other side of the bracket, the AFC title game, we have a battle of two of the most mm. ballyhooed quarterbacks in the game right now and Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes. And it's the rare instance where both these guys are actually worth the hype that they're getting. How much do you think a high ankle sprain changes what Patrick Mahomes does well in a football game? Well, it will, and it changed in that game. Uh, and he kept him in the pocket. Um, uh, the, un- the unscripted play is no longer a part of it uh, because, you know, he-, he goes off script and, and makes plays. And uh, you better know where Kelsey's at, especially in the red zone. <laughs> but, you know, now he's got to play from the pocket, which he had to do last game and did a, a really good job. So, you know, as you said, both these quarterbacks are just kind of fun to watch. They're young. There's a bunch of young ones in the AFC for some reason. You know, there's a bunch of young, gifted quarterbacks. And the way Purdy's playing, I mean, look, he keeps winning. I mean, and doing what he does, I mean, you know, he, that, that's the whole key. Can you win? Can you win Can you win playoff games? Can you win in big moments? Purdy's been able to do that as well. But these two guys got a history, you know, 35 touchdowns from one of them and, what, 41 or 42 for the other one. That's just remarkable. I, I've been asked about Burroughs a lot. We know about Mahomes. He, he's the best quarterback. There's no doubt about it with what he can do when he's healthy. But when you look at Burroughs, he reminds me a lot of uh, of Joe Montana. And uh, I played against Joe, and then obviously when he came to Kansas City, I was on the coach staff with Joe. His accuracy, his poise in the pocket, and he catches it. He throws a catchable ball. And that's that's the key to it. Does the quarterback throw a catchable ball? Does he know how to take something off it? Will he put it, in, will he put it where it's supposed to be when you're running into a zone? Does he not lead you? You know, he'll put it behind you so you don't get hit because he knows the defender's in that next alley. He does all that, and, and, he, and he can process information very quickly, and he's 
really fun to watch in the pocket the way he works. Herm Edwards with us. I got one more for you. As a lifelong defensive back, as a player, as a yeah. man who coached the position as well, we just talked to Sal Powell, and he says he doesn't see the Eagles winning without a big game out of A.J. Brown, who said you know, he wants the ball more. He wants to be even more involved, even after yeah. Philadelphia just had a rousing win over the New York Giants. And how much differently yeah. do you have to defend a player like A.J. Brown than you would someone like Debo Samuel, who's just caught from a cloth that very few wide receivers come from? Yeah, Debo's a whole different guy now. I mean, he's like half running back, half wide receiver whatever you want to call it, and, and, and it's tough to tackle when he gets in space. Obviously, he has speed and everything else. Well, the other guy from Philly, you know, it, it's the it's the, it, it's the 50-50 ball that's thrown up in the air, and you think you have it covered, you don't. Because he's going to jump up over, over you with his strength and take the ball away. You know, I, I, well, look, it, it's, this, it's this guy, and you guys know him. It was T.O., right? It was T.O. He's just big, physical guy. And he can and he can run, you know, but but that's that's the problem. When you think you have him covered, and they throw the ball down the you know down the sideline on you, and you think, well, I got the guy, and then he jumps up and catches it because he's so physical. He's a big, physical, strong receiver. It's like wow, you know, and that's the difference in football anymore. Before, you know, the era I played in, there was no back shoulder throw. It wasn't all that stuff, you know. And you threw the ball down the field halftime. You say, okay, it's going to be incomplete now. These quarterbacks, when the when the defender, and this is the key when you play the corner position, the thing you better understand is this. If you can't play the ball, you got no shot anymore in the National Football League because they're throwing it. They're going to throw it right at the back of your helmet. And if you don't turn to play the ball, there's a point of the journey where you got to know when that guy's eyes turn to that ball, you have to get your eyes right into his face mask, and you got to go play the ball now. You cannot no longer play the man. And that's the difference. That's a big difference. We see it every week in the National Football League. It's unbelievable. And guys don't play the ball. And these receivers jump up, and they make catch after catch. They make one-hand catches. You know, where I, where I work at, you know, the worldwide leader, we got him on the top ten every week. There's a receiver making another difficult catch, and the, and the defender's right there, but he doesn't play the ball. Herm, you can either answer this honestly, or you can just hang up because you'd rather not talk about it. Yeah. How hard is it to be a coach of the New York Jets? Of the Jets? Yeah. You know what? I loved it. I loved it. And I, I talked to Coach when he got the job, and I just told him, "You just be you, and, and just be forthright with him, and just that's what you got to do." And I learned that from Bill Parcells. That's that's what Bill told me. Uh, I followed Bill, and he said, "Look, Tom, just be who you are, man, and tell him straight." And I think Coach is doing a marvelous job. I, I think this when Thomas gets a quarterback, a consistent one, he's building something there now. He just needs quarterback. Herm, thank you so much for joining us. It's always great to have you back here in the Bay Area and hear your voice ring out. And again, uh, great to talk to you. Appreciate your time. And as always, when you get to the championship game, you play to win the game. Thank you so very much. <laughs> My pleasure, man. God bless you both. Thank you. Herm Edwards. Here on 95.7 The Game. Great stuff. And by the way, boys and girls, welcome to your 5 o'clock hour. You play to win the game. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. 
Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.